Hello, this is、uh, Dr. Peng Xianqian, the editor in chief of Horizon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The first article of、uh, the August 2023 issue is titled "Caster Ablation of Ventricular Premature Depolarizations Originating from Mid-Interventricular Septum: Significance of Electrocardiographic Morphology for Predicting Origin." 38 patients with mid-IVS VPDs were enrolled. VPDs were divided into four different types according to precordial transition of the electrocardiogram and QRS morphology in lead V1. The notch in lead V1 moved gradually backward, and its amplitude gradually became higher, resulting in the transition. From left to right bundle branch block morphology in lead V1 from types one to four. The four types ECG morphology corresponded to an origin in the right endocardial side, right mid intramural region, left intramural region, and left endocardial side of the mid IVS, respectively. The authors conclude. That ECG characteristics of mid-IVS VPDs, in terms of prediction of its exact origin, the choice of ablation method, and the likelihood of treatment being successful. The second paper is titled "Safety of Magnetic Resonance Imaging in Patients with Surgically Implanted Permanent Epicardial Leads." Twenty-nine consecutive patients with epicardial CIED underwent 52 MRIs in 57 anatomic regions. No significant adverse events occurred in the epicardial or transvenous CIED groups. Battery life, pacing, sensing thresholds, lead impedance, and cardiac biomarkers were not significantly changed. Except one patient had a transient decrease in atrial lead sensing function. The authors conclude that MRI of CIEDs with epicardially implanted leads does not represent a greater risk than transvenous CIEDs when performed with a multidisciplinary collaborative protocol centered on patient safety. Coming up is a magnetic resonance imaging-based、uh, dual-lead cardiac resynchronization therapy, a prospective left bundle branch pacing study, or MADURAILBBB study. The purpose of the study was to prospectively assess the feasibility and efficacy of, of LBB pacing with or without defibrillator in patients with left bundle. Non-ischemic cardiomyopathy and LV ejection fraction of less than or equal to 35 percent, risk stratified by CMR. 120 patients were enrolled. Cardiac MR showed less than 10 percent scar burden in 109 patients, or 90.8 percent. Left bundle branch pacing optimized dual chamber pacemaker, or CRTP. Were performed in 101 patients. The authors found that the cardiac MR guided CRT using an LBB pacing seems to be a safe and feasible approach in left bundle 
non-ischemic cardiomyopathy and has the potential to reduce healthcare costs. Next up is five-year safety and efficacy of the leadless pacemakers in a Dutch cohort. In this retrospective cohort study, study 179 consecutive patients with a first leadless pacemaker implantation from December 21, 2012 to December 13, 2016 in six Dutch high-volume centers were included. Mean follow-up duration was 44 plus minus 26 months. The authors found that the long-term major complication rate without advisory-related complications was low with leadless pacemakers. No complications occurred after the acute phase, and no infections occurred, which may be specific benefit of leadless pacemakers. The performance was adequate with a stable pacing capture threshold. Coming up is a genetic analysis identifies the SLC4A3 anion exchanger as a major gene for short QT syndrome. Genetic testing was performed in 34 index patients with short QT syndrome. Potentially disease-causing variants were identified in 9 or 26% of patients and were mainly located in SLC4A3. Knockdown of SLC4A3 in zebrafish resulted in shortened heart rate correlate, uh, corrected QT intervals that could be rescued by overexpression of the native human SLC4A3 encoded protein. Dysfunction in SLC4A3 and slash AE3 was associated with alkaline cytosol and shortened action potential of cardiomyocytes. The authors conclude that in about a quarter of patients with short QT syndrome, a potentially disease-causing variant can be identified. Non-synonymous variants in SLC4A3 represent the most common cause of short QT syndrome, underscoring the importance of including SLC4A3 in the genetic screening of patients with short QT syndrome and sudden cardiac death. Up next is dual-chambered leadless pacing, atrioventricular synchrony in preclinical models of normal or blocked atrioventricular conduction. RA and RV leadless pacemakers were implanted and paired in seven ovine subjects, including four with induced complete heart block. Acute AV synchrony and eye-to-eye communication success across multiple postures and rhythms were 100% and 99.9% respectively. The authors conclude that successful AV synchronous dual-chamber DDDR dealer's pacing using a novel continuous wireless communication modality was demonstrated across varia- uh, variations in posture and rhythm in a preclinical model. Up next is multicenter clinical and functional evidence reclassifies a recurrent non-canonical filament C splice altering variant. Truncating variants in filament C or FLNC can cause 
arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy through haploinsufficiency. The purpose of this study was to investigate the clinical and functional consequences of recurrent FLNC intronic variant of uncertain significance, or VOS. Uh, this particular VOS is C.970-4A to G. Clinical data in nine variant heterozygous, uh, heterozygotes from four kindreds were obtained from five tertiary healthcare centers. Variant heterozygous displayed a spectrum of disease phenotypes, spanning from mild ventricular dysfunction with palpitations to severe ventricular arrhythmias requiring device shocks or progressive cardiomyopathy requiring heart transplantation. Consistent with in silico predictors, the C.970-4A to G FLNC variant activated a cryptic splice acceptor site, introducing a three-base pair insertion containing a premature termination codon. The authors conclude that clinical, in silico, and functional evidence support the prediction that the intronic C.970 dash 4A to G VUS disrupts splicing and drives arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy, enabling reclassification from variants of uncertain significance to pathogenic. These original articles were followed by two contemporary reviews. The first one is deciphering HERG mutation in long QT syndrome type 2 using antisense oligonucleotide-mediated techniques, lessons from cystic fibrosis. By drawing on lessons learned from cystic fibrosis research, the authors explored the potential translational values of these advances in long QT2 studies. A second contemporary review is titled Improved Outcomes of Conduction System Pacing in Heart Failure with Reduced Ejection Fraction, a Systematic Review and a Meta-Analysis. The authors concluded that both the his bundle pacing and left bundle branch area pacing are feasible and effective CRT alternatives for heart failure. There is a creative concept paper titled Polygenic Risk Scores Are Associated with Atrial Electrophysiological Substrate Abnormalities and Outcomes Following Atrial Fibrillation Caster Ablation. The authors concluded that a high AF polygenic risk score is associated with more advanced electrical left atrial substrate and recurrence following caster ablation. These findings suggest that AF polygenic risk score may have clinical utility as a potential predictor of post-ablation outcomes. We also published six research letters. The first one is titled Activation Time at Left Ventricular Pacing Site or QLV, relative to the actual site of latest activation, implications for response to cardiac resynchronization therapy. Using non-invasive 3D global mapping to identify the latest LV electrically activated site pre-CRT implant, and directing LV lead placement to within 6 milliseconds of this site may improve CRT efficacy. The next one is simultaneous comparison of patch versus multi-electrode cardiac monitoring 
for the detection of arrhythmias, the COMPARE study. The authors concluded that compared to multi-electrode monitors, patch-based devices yielded higher wear and analyzable times and improved monitoring quality. Up next is a new left ventricular microlead technology to improve cardiac resynchronization therapy implant outcomes. The authors presented a series of patients who had successful CRT implantation with a 1.2 French diameter microlead. In these patients, a conventional LV lead failed to be implanted or was suboptimally placed. Coming up is a letter titled Effects of Stereotactic Arrhythmia Radioablation on Left Ventricular Ejection Fraction and the Valve Function Over Time. The authors show that stereotactic arrhythmia radioablation does not result in significant left ventricular, left ventricular ejection fraction alterations during follow-up. However, they did observe that the prevalence of worsening valve function is high. In patients with worsening of aortic valve function, the radiotherapy dose received by the valve was significantly higher. The next letter is titled Impact of a Standardized Pacing Protocol on Endpoint Verification and the First Pass Isolation Using a Multipolar Pulse Field Ablation Caster for Pulmonary Vein Isolation. The authors conclude that the use of dedicated pacing protocol in patients undergoing PFA pulmonary vein isolation results in an increased rate of first-pass isolation. The final letter is titled Vascular and Cardiac Ultrasound as the Primary Imaging Tool to Safely Deliver Pacing Leads While Implanting Single Chamber Permanent Pacemakers, a Single Operator Experience in a Tertiary Cardiac Center. The authors conclude that ultrasound implantation of single-chamber pacemakers can be safely used, resulting in low radiation doses. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For Harvard, I'm Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peng Shen Chen.